doing well, doing good, doing many things at once. It is the way of today's business owner, and we get to hear from someone who has lived it as the co-founder of several successful ventures, even a few that didn't quite make it, and who also shared the stories of hundreds of other entrepreneurs to millions of people as the longtime host of MSNBC's show, Your Business. Yes, today we're talking with journalist, social entrepreneur, and founder of another new venture called Good Pods. It's J.J. Ramberg on the Manage Your Message podcast. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. There is a huge opportunity for business owners, managers, professionals of all stripes who want to stand out and grow. And yet, many of us don't fully appreciate the extent of the opportunity that's right in front of us today, or they don't know where to start addressing it, or they wonder whether they and their employees or colleagues would ever have the right knowledge or skills or personalities to lead consistently effective customer conversations. On this podcast, we're here to help you with ideas for the three necessary components for managing your message. First, how to create the message itself, the words, stories, insights, and evidence you want your customers and prospects to know about. Second, how do we equip and grow your network of messengers, the very people who can help you share that message? And third, establishing the right management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday business advantage. When you bring those pieces together, you'll very likely enjoy improvements in revenue, market share, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. I take you through that process in more detail in my new book, available from Career Press. It's titled, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it in paperback, Kindle, and audio versions wherever great business books are sold. You can also find a free sample on my website, jimcard.com. We bring all of this together because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. Today is a special treat. We get to hear from someone who has been a voice for entrepreneurs and small business owners as a journalist and popular TV host. At the same time, she has helped launch multiple businesses herself, a successful social entrepreneur even before the term became super popular. J.J. Rambert's media career began as a receptionist for NBC Nightly News. She's been a reporter for CNN. You probably know her best from her 12-year run as host of the weekend MSNBC show, Your Business. She's also quite the entrepreneur herself with her brother, Ken, co-founded Good Search and later Good Shop. We'll talk about JJ's entrepreneurial family, the fortunate twist that led her to being hired at MSNBC, the opportunities she has carved out for herself along the way, and the newest Ramberg venture called Good Pods, which is really cool. Interested in talking about that in lots of detail. JJ has an English degree from Duke University, Go Devils, and an MBA from Stanford, and a lot of great stories. JJ Ramberg, welcome to the Manager Message Podcast. Thank you. That was it was nice to hear my bio there. <laughs> <It was fun. laughs> 
It could have been even longer, but uh, let's not get too caught in the details. Let's talk about uh, what you're doing, but also a very interesting path I think a lot of people could identify with about how you got there. And JJ, if you don't mind, there is nothing in the podcast host conversation handbook that says one has to begin chronologically. And yet I think in your case, that makes a lot of sense because it sets the foundation for the different things you've done in your career and and what's to come. Both your parents and grandparents were entrepreneurs. Could you tell us just a little bit about what they did and what it was like growing up in that type of family culture? Sure. Yeah, I I was surrounded by entrepreneurship. So I, I guess it is truly in my blood. So my grandfather on one side came here from Mexico. Well, he was Russian and then by way of Mexico to the U.S., And he began as a peddler, going door to door, selling things, and then eventually started furniture stores. My grandfather on the other side was sort of like this cowboy entrepreneur. Like he he had a (laughs) fish store and he sold used cars and he was the first person to bring frozen pizza to California and he made a ton of money and lost a ton of money and he only wore cowboy boots and and then my mother, well, my father worked with my grandfather and then and then left that to start his own companies. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom until her late 40s when she and my brother Ken decided to start a company together called JobTrack, which provided job listings for colleges. This was pre-internet. So now it's you know, much more common for a stay-at-home mom and a just-out-of-college son to start a business together. But in those days, it was sort of astounding. And so um, I had a true front-row seat to seeing how that business grew. And I worked at it when I was in, in high school. Um, and then they ended up selling that company to Monster.com a bit more than a decade later after starting it. As you look back on that, JJ, did did your parents, grandparents give you very explicit encouragement about being an entrepreneur yourself, or was it just kind of part of what was normal and uh, and healthy for you? I think it was just part of what was normal. So I just watched it happen. So, you know, particularly my mother and brother's businesses, uh, business, because I worked there. My best friend worked there. My mom worked there. My grandmother worked there, right? And so it, you <laughs> it's know, just what it, you did, right? Just what we did. So it didn't seem weird that you know, to start a company in an office space and, and my mom painted, it's not like she was an amazing painter or anything, but she painted stuff and then framed them really cheap to put on the wall. So there was decoration and we watched it grow and we watched, you know, some of the issues with it. And so it's not like we sat around the dinner table and we're like, this is what it means to be an entrepreneur. It's just that it, that's what I saw. I saw my parents kind of be in charge and take care of employees and have to think through some issues as you know the economy went up and down. I just I just had a front row seat to it. If we may just jump a little bit because your your career has gone from journalism and entrepreneurship and and really the intersection of those circles for a number of years. Now you and your brother Ken began a venture called Good Search in I believe 2005. That sounds about right. And you were working at CNN at the time. So again, you were you had this idea that was in <laughs> way in advance of, of technology and some things that we know today. So this was before GoFundMe really filled a gap. If you could talk a little bit about 
for good search where that idea came from, because that was a really, that was a big step. It wound up leading to lots of other things. Did you and Ken have any particular models to follow? Or again, were you just piecing some things together and, and felt like there's a need that needs to be filled here? We didn't really have so many models to follow, which is, is funny to think of now because so many people are doing something similar around different industries. But basically, the idea for Good Search came because Ken and I saw that search engines were making billions of dollars. And there were all of these really great socially responsible campaigns like, you know, buy this pink lipstick and money would go to breast cancer or buy this red T-shirt mm-hmm. and money goes research for HIV and AIDS. But we realized that there are all these other amazing nonprofits out there and causes that just don't have an opportunity to partner with someone as big as The Gap or Estee Lauder. And so we wanted to create something where people could choose their own cause. And so we created Good Search where you do a search. It was the Yahoo search engine and a penny per search would go to your favorite cause. It was fun. It, it worked right away. We we laugh now because just maybe a few weeks in, the Penn State Dance Marathon was one of the first causes that signed up. And when they had made, I forget, it was like $2.52, we were like, oh my God, it's working, it's working. You know, <laughs> Proof of concept. <laughs> exactly. We've now donated millions of dollars. But at the time, that $2.52 felt just like huge. That worked. And then we moved into shopping. So we created a good shop. And by the way, both of these still exist, Good Search and Good Shop. And then we added coupons. So the way Good Shop works is we provide the best coupons for online stores and a percentage of what you spend either goes back to your favorite cause or yourself. Outstanding. And I I believe I saw a figure that Good Shop has now raised, I think, north of $13 million, something like that in its history. Yeah, we've donated more than $13 million for all kinds of causes, you know, ranging from big ones like, you know, the ASPCA to tiny ones like, a, you know, a small playground fund in a small town. Yes, just amazing. And again, we'll link to all this uh, listeners in our show description as well. So you had Good Search, which begat Good Shop a couple of years later. And as I recall, JJ, then there were lots of other good things that came from that other good ideas that you tested. What was that like? It was, was it just a flurry of ideas of thinking this model uh, might apply in lots of different ways? Exactly. We just thought, great, we, you know, we can d- donate a percentage of revenue for everything. So we had, God, let me think of what they all were. There was one where if you went out to eat at a restaurant, a percentage would go back. One where you would watch an ad and money would go back to your cause. One where you'd try out a product and money would go back to your cause. And we, we launched them all and then quickly killed them all <laughs> because it turned <laughs> out. And this is, you know, every entrepreneur, small business owner, actually big business owner too, has to deal with this, right? You get all these great ideas. They sound good when you're sitting in your conference room talking with your management team, and then you put it out there and it kind of flops. And so we had to kill them off one by one. And that's a hard thing to do when you spend time launching something. But it was very clear that the big winner in our portfolio of good was Good Shop and and the coupons that came along with it. And so, as much as you know, we might have been kind of emotionally attached to some of these other things. We just had to pull the cord on them. And this will, as we fast forward uh, here in a moment to Good Pods, which is your newest venture. Very very cool. But if we may, uh, as well, just take a, a little side 
journey here, JJ, into your time at your business on MSNBC, because that also is a, a way that a lot of people may know you. A lot of entrepreneurs, I think, found knowledge and encouragement from what you were doing there. The way that you got that job, the way you were discovered was not the normal, was it? You were at CNN and then all of a sudden you were just kind of picked out from, from a crowd? Is, is something along those lines? Yeah, well, it's a fun story and and lucky for me. But I I was working at CNN and I'd worked at CNN FN as a host, and then I was working at CNN part time when when FN the whole network was canceled, while also starting Good Search. And so I was filling in for someone at the stock exchange for CNN as favor one day, and at MSNBC they had come up with this idea for a small business show called Your Business and they needed a host and the executive producer of that show looked up and saw me on TV and said what about her <laughs> and so he then <laughs> went and called a friend over at CNN and said I'm watching this woman JJ Ramberg on air right now is she under contract with you and he said no she's not here's her phone number and so he called and they said would you be interested in hosting the show and I you know, wasn't at the time looking for a big full-time TV job because I was starting my company, but they said it's going to be six months. And so I said, well, who am I to turn down a six-month job where I get to host my own show and launch it? Of course, I'm going to do that. And for six months, I could just do them both. And so I said yes. And that six months turned into 13 years. <laughs> um, I didn't expect to launch a company and launch show and get married and have three kids all at the same time. But that's how the world worked for me. And so when I look back on it, it seems bananas. But at the time, it just felt like, oh, my God, this is all a lot of exciting stuff coming at me all at once. And I can handle this. And I'm curious, you mentioned again, along the way, you got married, you had three children within about a five year span, right? So right. right. How did you and, and your husband and your family approach all this. It's, this is just something that a lot of entrepreneurs have to deal with, male or female. What was that like? What were the kind of trade-offs and agreements that you had How, uh, when you look back at that crazy period and even today? The truth is I had a lot of people. I wasn't alone, right? So my brother and I launched our company together. So I had a co-founder there. And at NBC, I had an entire crew of people, you know, a whole team of people who were helping do my job. And I also had babysitters. And so I just, I wasn't alone in any of this. I also had a lot of energy to work. So for me, it didn't seem crazy for me to be with my babies, but also be typing and, you know, approving charities or something on Good Search at the same time. I I think everyone's personality is different. And I also think it's different at different times in your life. And so at that time, I really, I was excited to do all of this at once. I can imagine that it would have been too overwhelming at a different point in time. But at that moment in time, it just... I was excited about it all, and I had enough of an infrastructure to be able to do it all. Which speaks well of everybody in all of this. And and who knows, if you'd known at the beginning that uh, MSNBC would have been a 12-year run, <laughs> how you considered all that, but it was it's just so interesting about how you, you, know, you took each piece as it came along, and, and that experience with your business, you know, clearly there was a market for it. And clearly, again, the knowledge and the, the encouragement that, that people got, because this was for MSNBC, it was a different kind of program as well. 
Exactly. And by the way, I want to be really clear with your audience too. It's like, oh, it sounds like she has it all, right? Or you hear stories like mine and it sounds like you'll have it all. But obviously you make sacrifices all along the way on one thing or the other. And I I always would say sort of this day-to-day thing, okay, when I look back 10 years from now, am I going to wish that I did A or B? And so it's kind of an everyday decision that you have to make of what's important at the time and what do you think is going to be important when you look back on your life. And that changes sort of not year to year, but truly day to day. Sure. A little bit more in terms of uh, what you learned and saw, especially in your run there with your business, you had segments in the show about what I've learned and you got the opportunity to interview and to highlight hundreds of entrepreneurs and, and hear their stories as well. When you look at today's entrepreneurs, and and I know you've even testified before Congress about small business issues, et cetera, what were the major things that you learned along that path of your 12 years of having that window of speaking to people and to people in your business? Well, the biggest thing I learned is that the people who are the most successful that I've met, and I get this question a lot of what's the underlying similarity between all of them. And it's not, are you outgoing? Do you have an MBA? Do you have the right connections? It's not any of those things. It is, how do you deal with failure, right? Either big failures, like your company fails, or the small everyday failures, like you know, this product failed or this process failed or this hire was a bad hire. And so the people who I saw were the most successful are ones who were able to deal with that. And so that's kind of what I took the most out of all of the people I interviewed is, is, you know, things are going to go wrong all the time. And so you just have to figure out how to move forward from that thing that went wrong. There's another piece of this, JJ, when thinking back to your own entrepreneurial venture, and then we're, we're going to talk about good pods as well. I believe I heard you say earlier that when you were getting especially good search started back in 2005, and this was just this idea, and it was a new concept that you and I suppose your brother as well were, were just picking up the phone and calling people. We've got this idea. We've got this thing. It sounded like you were pretty relentless about that and curious about that experience. And then I think it gets to a larger issue that you might have some encouragement about as well. Just the role of direct conversations of being able to to get out there in the marketplace and talk to people and and ask them questions and and hear what they're saying. Because I, JJ, I find that it's it's really important, but there's a part of our wiring, even for entrepreneurs, even for people who are very passionate about what they do, there's still that voice that that whispers in our ear just to hang back, right? Maybe not engaging, not kind of getting out there to the degree that uh, that we could. So if you would talk just a little bit about what that was like for you and, and any encouragement, any thoughts about just being proactive about conversations and, and asking questions out uh, in the marketplace. I will tell you, I don't even have to go back 14 years to get you that. I can I can tell you that right now in my life. So you know, we're going to talk about it in a sec. But so Ken and I are launching our second company, Good Pods, which is a podcast player where you can follow your friends and favorite podcasters to see what they're listening to by episode. And also you can engage with your friends around podcasts and, and podcasters. But so, so we've launched that recently. But 
when it was just an idea, I wish I could show you right now. I did it on Excel, my Excel sheet of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, literally hundreds, like multiple hundreds of people that I spoke to either by phone or by Zoom or in person to say, hey, here's our idea. We think there's a need for something like Good Pods because, you know, it's too overwhelming to find new podcasts and everyone wants to discover great ones. We want to know what our friends are listening to. Do you think this is a good idea? And I talked to podcasters, big podcasters, right? Like Malcolm Gladwell and then tiny podcasters, like a woman who has a a tiny podcast about dogs, but has a, you know, small but loyal following. And I spoke to listeners and I spoke to brands and I spoke to basically anyone who would talk to me. And I learned so much from that about what our product should be. And our product was completely shaped by those conversations And then we launched to a beta test. And then I went back and talked to all these people again and said, okay, what do you think? And this was, we we had some surveys, sure, but a lot of it was one-on-one conversations with people. And then we realized there were some things on Good Pods that just weren't intuitive or didn't make sense. And we switched them and we changed them up. And so now the app works a lot better, which is typical of any business, but it was really helpful to just have these real conversations. And by the way, that meant that once we launched, I had all these people to launch to because I had already spoken to them about Good Pods and already gotten them excited about it because they've been a part of it. The thing is, though, Jim, I really quite enjoy talking to people, as you can tell, because I spent 13 years talking to people on TV. Journalist, uh, by the way, yes. But, you know, we have other people on our team that really just love getting into the details of the product. Like, should this button be three pixels bigger or, you know, should this be red or should this be yellow? And that's not so much my thing. And so I think it's important on your team to have uh, just all of these skills. Maybe it's all in one person or maybe it's spread out over a few people. But for me, I really enjoy going out there and having those conversations. Which is the perfect segue to talk about good pods, which is another good thing, which is going to do very, very well. And and listeners, uh, just as quick background, I was introduced to JJ a few months ago by our mutual friend, Dory Clark. And so we had one of those many, many Zoom conversations of just speaking about the idea and what that would be like and how it would work and all that. And just as a note, you know, you could you could get out there and you could talk to potential buyers of your product, whatever whatever that might be, just speaking generally, and say, I had this great idea. Don't you think it's great? And that the people who really like you, care about you, don't want to tell you if they think it's a bad idea. But but JJ, you and, and others have been successful at all this. You give people room to to tell you what they like and what they don't like. And saying, hey, you know, I'm gonna just here's my idea, here's what we're thinking about. I give you full emotional space to tell me what you like, don't like, what you're uncertain about. It won't hurt my feelings. We're trying to make this as good as we can make it. So you certainly did that. And I find that to be a a characteristic as well. Well, you know, you have to be really careful about that with your friends too. So, you know, I have friends who we launched Good Pods too and the beta stage and they would come back and say, you know, maybe it's because I'm not good at technology and you can discount what I'm saying and I feel bad telling you this, but blah, 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 this doesn't work. And I would say, 
you would be doing me so much more of a disservice if you didn't tell me this. My feelings are not going to be hurt. I want you, you don't even have to tell me anything you like about this. I want to know everything that doesn't make sense. And so you have to get people comfortable with criticizing you to your face. Yes, or at least the work or the idea and not like, hey, I like you, but this I don't understand, right, right. Uh, which, which makes a ton of sense. <laughs> not criticizing me, they're criticizing the product, right? So, you know, there are some parallels and you probably notice them yourself. So when you were thinking about good search and good shop back in the day, you had a very uh, scattered marketplace and it was difficult for people to navigate and to do maybe uh, all the things that they would want to do. And that seems to be the case today in podcasting, which is increasingly popular, but very fractured. There's a lot of running around about, uh, you know, different platforms and players and topics. And there are, gosh, I saw something, I think it's like 700,000 or so podcasts that are, that are out there on the major players, but maybe a third of those are active, but still it's a, it's a huge landscape. So let's talk about kind of the genesis of the idea. And you look at the idea of with good pods from a mostly from a listener's perspective, right? Or friends being able to share favorite episodes and and ideas within the platform. So I guess, JJ, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. So you could talk, what was the genesis of the idea where you said there's something worth organizing and there's some benefits here that aren't being realized? I actually look at it both from a listener and a podcaster's perspective because I've I've been both. So as a listener, I was having trouble just finding great podcasts out there. I knew they were there, right? There are 30 million episodes, as you said, you know, hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And I would find myself going back to the same four that I knew. And I just felt like, ah, like I know there's great stuff about science and history, and I just don't know where to start to find it. And so I would always just call my brother or call a friend and say, what are you listening to? And if you look on Twitter, you'll see a zillion, hey, what podcast are you listening to? And there's Slack channels and chat groups amongst friends. And so we thought, you know, this already exists with books and it exists with music. Why can't you just follow your friends so that that moment when I'm about to go for a run, I don't have to go call four people to see who picks up the phone to say, what should I listen to? I just go on to Good Pods. And my feed, it's just like Instagram or Twitter, right? My feed is, oh, that's cool. Jim liked this one or Lisa liked this one. And I can just choose something. And and we've got a lot of influencers on board also, like Dan Harris from ABC News, who does 10% Happier. Gwyneth Paltrow is going to be coming on. We have Alison Camerata from CNN and Michael Rappaport, the actor. Anyhow, a whole bunch of people who you can follow, Rachel Hollis. But But from the podcaster perspective, so I had a podcast, which was a compendium to my show on NBC News. And even though I could promote that podcast every single week on my national TV show, I would talk to some people who listen to the podcast and learn they actually found out about it through word of mouth. That traditional media is an okay way to promote a podcast, but it's not the best because When you're watching a TV show, you're not in the mood to listen to a podcast. And by the time you get back to your phone, you're going to go for a car ride or something. You're like, oh, wait, what was that podcast again? And so really, you want to get to people when they're in the mode of wanting to listen. And so for podcasters, this was just the best way to codify this word of mouth 
in a way that people wouldn't forget. And so you could go find new listeners. And it's really cool because we've seen how it works. Like early on, I listened to this show called The Art of the Exit, which I'd never heard of before. Someone had listened to it on Good Pods. Then I listened to it. And then I watched as it passed from friend to friend to friend, you know, and within a couple of days, so many more people had listened to it. And so I was like, oh God, this was, this was so cool for that podcaster. <laughs> JJ, that's back to the, the Penn State band or the, yeah, exactly. what that was. Hey, it works. It works. And, and also you're able to see other people who've listened to it. And so as a podcaster, it's neat because you can engage with your followers and you can have discussions with them and you can comment on things. Obviously, as a listener, you can keep anything private, but it's just, it's a neat place for people who love podcasts or want to just explore more in podcasting. And I, uh, for our message manager listeners, I uh, have signed up for this just a few days ago. As mentioned earlier, I'd, I'd spoken uh, with with JJ a little while back when this was still in concept, and said, "No, it's it's live, it's ready to go. Tell me what you think." And so I've gone in. I really like it. I'm still still playing around with it a bit, but you're right, both as a podcaster and and a podcast listener. And I love listening to other people's podcasts across genres. So I like it. JJ, if you can just take us through a little bit about from a, a user's perspective, as we encourage people to get in there and try it. Clearly, if you're listening to this, you listen to podcasts and you probably listen to a variety and would be interested in, in finding new ideas as long as you continue to listen to this one. Uh, so how would you uh, <laughs> how would you recommend that, that people begin to get acquainted with good pods and, uh, and and what they're going to find there when they log on and try it out? Sure. So you go onto good pods on the app store. It'll be on Android in about a week. And the sign up is very similar to signing up for Instagram or Twitter. It is very fast to go through the sign up. And in the sign up, you're asked to follow some people or connect with your friends. And once you get onto good pods, your feed is what those people are listening to. And so that's a good way to discover new podcasts by episode to listen to. And then for you to recommend things, you either just use it as your player, and when you listen to something, it'll go to your feed, or you can keep it private if you want, so that your friends can see what you're listening to. Or you can just go to search podcasts and search for episodes that you love and share them to your feed. So if there's something you listened to last year that you really loved and you want to add it to your feed, you just go ahead to search, find the podcast, find the episode, and click on the share button. And so it's neat. So because Jim, like people who listen to your podcast love you and they want to know what you're listening to, right? So you just can go and add a whole bunch of episodes from other podcasts to your profile and it'll show up in everyone else's feed. And so clearly, like any other uh, similar type of a platform or, or community around a common interest, the value gets greater as more people come in and, and share more information and recommendations to get a true network effect. This is going to be big. It's, it, how's it going to evolve? Where do you see it headed, JJ? You know, I, I sure hope it is. I, I as, a, as just a you know, sort of pure user, I love it because, you know, one of the reasons I went into journalism was because I wanted to kind of dip in and out of worlds and explore them. And podcasts are the best way to do that, right? So if I follow, I follow friends like one who's really into science and one who's really into meditation. And so 
I know that I can go to their profiles or just look for them in my feed to get a good recommendation based on my mood for that moment. Where it will evolve. So it is at its very basic stage right now. You follow friends and influencers and podcasters and see what they're listening to. We have a place for discussions on the app right now. And so we've just launched this. So I'm going to launch some big discussions with with some podcasters. Hopefully, Jim, you'll do this with me too. That sounds fun. Yeah, to engage with pod, with their listeners. And so I hope that this becomes a place where people convene around podcasts and audio learning and entertaining. And, you know, unlike other social media where it might sort of make you feel jealous or bad or all these, you know, things that we all know about social media, this is a place where it's all about positivity, right? It's about learning something new. It's about like, oh, that's so cool that she just found out that neat thing about history. I want to learn about that too. Or I'm in the mood for something funny. Oh, that's such a cool, funny podcast or management. And so, oh, look, Jim has a great episode that I want to listen to because I saw my friend listen to it. Mm -hmm. This is uh, terrific. JJ, I want to congratulate you. Has your brother been playing a role in this too? Is the dynamic duo here with Ken, been continuing on here with Good Pods? Well, it expanded, actually. The Ramberg family business expanded. So Ken and I founded it together, and then we pulled in my sister. So Mel also has her MBA from Stanford, and, and she worked at Disney and, and did all this other stuff, and California Community Foundation. Anyhow, she's probably the smartest person I know. And then my nephew, Owen, we pulled him in also. He's a lot younger than us and, and has a whole different perspective on things and has been invaluable. So it's really fun. We have all these Rambergs working on this. And then obviously a whole bunch of people who are not Rambergs. The, the, the entrepreneurial generation just march on, don't they? They do. Yeah, it does. He, he my, my nephew, is probably the most entrepreneurial of all of us. He's been starting businesses since he was like 11 years old. JJ, this has been uh, a real treat. It was uh, it was great to have our first conversation a while back when this was still in the the playing around with it idea phase. Good Pods is really really promising. It looks really good. We'll pass along all of those links. But any uh, any final words for our listeners about Good Pods and any other good ventures that you uh, <laughs> that you have in the idea phase at this point? No, I'm 100% focused on this. You know, the only other thing I want to say is a thank you to you, Jim, because you were one of those people who gave us really invaluable feedback. And so, again, you mentioned this before to to your audience. It really, you know, listen to your customers sounds a little bit overplayed right now, but as a, as a phrase, but it really so incredibly important. And so thank you to you for being a really or early supporter and you know willing to talk to someone who was a stranger at the time and take some time out to give me some feedback. And so everyone go follow Jim on Good Pods. And if you would be willing, this whole audience to sign up and be, as I asked, you know, really feel free to be brutal with the feedback. <laughs> I want to know everything that you want to change on this thing. And you can email me directly to jj at goodpods.com. But I think you will think you if you love podcasts, which you obviously do since you listen to Jim, think you'll really enjoy good pods. 
I think you will as well. Thank you for that. And I, I look forward to being really engaged with the Good Pods community. And I, I think you are doing a real service both to podcasters and to podcast listeners, which is increasingly describing, if not the majority of Americans yet, getting pretty pretty darn close. And especially a lot of professionals who uh, are really uh, into it for knowledge and for entertainment and all that. It's just, it's kind of the perfect medium for the times, I, I believe. So thank you for all that. And by the way, as a note, I mean, we were not strangers completely when we spoke because just like Good Pods works, we were introduced by a mutual friend. So it was that whole connection that came about. And uh, uh, so thank you, Dory. And thank you, JJ, very much for joining us here on the Manager Message Podcast. It's been a real treat. Oh, so fun to talk to you, Jim. And thanks to you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about managing your message, then I'll refer you to my new book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. It's published by Career Press in audiobook form as well. You can find it wherever you buy and consume good business books. It's a simple, practical sequence you can use to bring more power, more scale, and more consistency to the everyday growth conversations in your business. Whether you're selling business to business, business to consumer, you're in a not-for-profit, you're part of an association, maybe multiple ways that you want to grow professionally and for your organization. And when your team or company or professional association is getting together, how many of those people really need some practical ways to grow without having to change the fundamentals of their business. Well, certainly most, maybe all of them. I offer programs ranging from keynote speeches to workshops to new manager programs and executive level messaging leadership programs. It won't surprise you that lately we are converting and dealing with more remote and virtual programs, and sometimes a hybrid of looking forward to both in-person and virtual programs. Everything is tailored to your group and your growth plans. You can learn more at jimcar.com and includes contact information so that we can talk directly. My email is jim at jimcar.com. My direct phone number is also on the website. And thanks again for the five-star ratings, the reviews, the show ideas. It's helping a lot. We are growing quickly. Please keep it coming. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcarr.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.